Thank you for joining us again. This is Paul Wilson. And I'm Danny Voss. And you're listening to the Diesel Performance Podcast. A lot of great stuff going on lately, Danny. L5P with Gail Banks and Nick. What a blast. We're always bringing the heat, Paul. When are you going to get this through your head? (laughs) That really was a great episode, guys. Uh, Not only did we talk about the L5P, we also got into talking about dampeners and cranks and dinos and a lot of other stuff. Uh, Mad and bad and some other things that Gail brought to us. That was a lot of fun. Of course, Danny, I'm so excited for April to come. What are the dates again? Uh, April 21st, 22nd, and 23rd. I think it's 19th, 20th, and 21st. No, no. I'm just joking. Danny's no. right. 21st. Ultimate call-out challenge is 23rd. what we're talking about. Yep. Danny definitely knows the dates. We have our rooms booked. It's official. Really? Yeah, we're really going to Indianapolis for the ultimate call-out challenge. And you are listening to the official podcast of the Ultimate Callout Challenge 2017. Look out, man. Feels so good to say that, doesn't it? It's awesome. It's been a great year as we start to look back over all of the different things we've done. And we start to think about what's the next thing that we're going to go on and do out there. Um, The UCC is right in our scope. The UCC and I think the twin turbo emissions intact. That was such a great episode you did the other day with Matt Rosenberg, uh, Jason Worley, Nick Pregnitz, Austin from Diesel Tech Magazine. Full house. It was packed in the podcast room that night. Yeah. Sorry I couldn't be here, but... uh, Yeah, uh, I was... Paul, what did you do? You, get a, you got a three-star rating, and now you can't come to a show, or That's what? it. That's it. After all the times I said, give us a five-star rating, <laughs> somebody went on and gave us a three-star rating. I said, that's it. I'm done. I'm not doing it anymore. No, no. they said you said absolutely too much in the Gale episode. In, in, in passive tense. I do. It's true. I, I, don't, I don't know that it was specific to that episode, but I do, in general, say absolutely way too much. Way too much. And that absolutely won't stop. Um, Okay. Dang it. (laughs) For today, I am really excited, Danny. We had done some previous Turbo episodes, and we had done some other stuff in the past. We're going to dive in today and start talking about modified injectors. Yeah, or injectors in general. Injectors in general. Common rail. I think we should narrow that down a Mm -hmm. little bit. Common rail injectors. We couldn't think of anybody better to bring on for our first episode in this segment. Lenny Reed of Dynamite Diesel Performance. Lenny, how the hell are you today? You know, I'm doing pretty good, thanks. Excellent. Thank you for being on the show. We really appreciate it. Lenny filled uh, a little bit of a miss we had with some other scheduling. We really appreciate him taking the time out to talk to us today. Lenny, we get everybody started with the same first question. Tell us how you got your start in diesel performance. Well, I guess that's uh, pretty solid. So back in 2000, uh, my father had died, and when he died, he left like a, a bunch of automobiles, out around a couple of states, and I had to start recovering the automobiles so we could figure out how to sell them and what to do with the estate and whatnot. But uh, so I bought a 94 Dodge diesel truck with a P-pump and started monkeying with that. And six months later, I was in Vegas, and I was hanging out with the guys at Diesel Dynamics. And, oh, a year later, I had a full-time company doing it and uh, bought a dyno back in 2002, I guess it was, and and that was huge, like back in 2002 to own a dyno, you know, like whenever we were buying chips or whatever, back in the day, it was getting a hold of a guy or buying a chip going, no, that one doesn't quite do what you think it does. And this one does more than you thought. And it was, it was, it was just a great tool to have. And we still use the heck out of it. Now we've got two of them, but, uh, you know, that was, that was pretty much the start of it was back then. What a snowball approach, man, to go from just a, your very first truck to two years later having a full-blown company. You really got bit up by the bug hard, huh? Uh, yeah, it was exciting. You know, like back then, to have air conditioning, a CD player, and uh, 500 horsepower was like, wow. You know, like we were, <laughs> that was something, you know. Like it was, 
it was a lot of fun, and I knew that, you know, when somebody could drive even 350 rear-wheel horsepower and still have air conditioning, like, without burning spark plug wires up all the time and all that kind of junk, it was, I knew that it was going to get really big really fast, and, really, you know, here we are 15 years later, and this thing's out of control. There's so many people in it, and it's just growing daily, so... Yeah, it's um, been an exciting ride. I'm sure your dad wouldn't want it any other way. No, he was a mechanic as well, so uh, it was it was a good way to kind of carry on the family tradition, I suppose. Well, that's awesome. That's awesome. Well, Lenny, I'll tell you what. We had you on today because we wanted to talk about common rail injectors. So the first thing, and just kind of a real basic overview here, explain to us how a, a Duramax or a Cummins or a common rail injector works. The, uh, the common rail injector is not just limited to those two models because now, like, the Ford 6.7 is a Bosch common rail as well. But, uh, you know, ultimately, like, you've got an injector that's being controlled off of uh, an ECM, and it's being told when to fire, how long to fire. And then, obviously, you've got a uh, the constant pressure pump, whether it's CP3, CP4, what have you. That pump is being told how many pounds of rail pressure to make, and that rail is being, you know, basically just an accumulator to store whatever the uh, ECM says is the appropriate amount of rail pressure to have at this moment, based on load and tuning and you know atmosphere, you uh, you get constant change. Like within, I mean, you guys know how fast it is, but it's several changes per second that happen, and and that's why common rail is really kind of like winning in street strip sled pull applications. Like you, it's just with good tuning and good quality parts. I don't think we're. Uh, I don't think we're too far away from seeing maybe 3,000 horsepower. Hoorah. No, not far at the Ultimate Callout Challenge. I was going to say, that's what Brandon Pierce is calling for Ultimate Callout Challenge. We're really excited, and everybody we talk to seems to be on that same page. Uh, you know, we saw 2,400 horsepower last year from Sean Baca. We expect to see something bigger and better and badder this year, so really excited. I'd like to put a scenario yeah. out here real quick. Um, I've always wanted to do this. I always try to think about how we can paint a picture over the podcast for our customers and how we can really display what we're trying to describe. Um Picture your picture me as a molecule of fuel in your in your fuel tank. Walk me through the whole system, all the way to the spray from the tank. You know, I I'm, I get pulled from the tank. I go through the air dog or the the fast whatever it is. I I get sucked up to the uh, um, the stock filter, and then I get shoved into the CP3. What happens from there? Well, once you leave the CP3, you hit the rail, you hit the line, you hit the injector, and and there's a good chance that at that point you're going to be injected through the nozzle into the combustion area. And once you generate enough heat in that combustion area, you're going to light, turn to energy, explode, shove that piston downward, and create the necessity for the next one to happen. But there's also a slight possibility that you, that one molecule of fuel, might get passed through the injector back into the return and then go see the fuel tank one more time. So that's something that people need to be uh, aware of is how much your injectors are actually returning because especially on performance side of it, we see guys sending in injectors really often and they're like, hey, I've got 100,000 miles on these injectors. It seems to run really good. Um, can you just modify mine and then ship them back? Well, most often the answer is no because <laughs> when you try to go bigger with an injector, you're actually asking that injector to do something um, at more controlled timing, you're asking it to work harder, and you've already got an injector that's, you know, half wore out to wore out. Uh, sure, it was running okay, but you put just a big nozzle on it, and all of its problems come right to the surface. So, um, 
there's something there that needs to be spoke about, I think, a little bit, because a lot of guys will, you know, kind of get that uh, kind of a chip on their shoulder when they get told that these things just aren't going to be good enough for 100 or 200% over nozzle. I hear you there, and you know it's a common, a very, very common question about just putting tips on it. I think, again, it's back from that old kind of mechanical day where it wasn't as big of a deal because the systems weren't quite as sensitive. And now that we are in something that's much more advanced, and like you said, there's a lot more injection cycles uh, per combustion cycle. There's a lot more electronics. There's a lot more going on. Uh, so one of the things I always like to talk to guys about is inspection, testing, and balancing. Can you kind of walk me through what is the inspection and testing process when I send an injector in to a company like Dynamite Diesel Performance? Dynamite Diesel Products. Dynamite Diesel Products. I'm sorry. Yep. I'm sorry. Who is in the um, performance? <laughs> well, when we when we start, we first inspect them for any sort of obvious contamination because when you've got a contaminated injector, one that's you know accumulated a lot of dirt over the past few years, we definitely don't want to shove that into our test stand and then contaminate the calibration oil, then contaminating all of our new product that we test right behind it. So step one is we open up one of the injectors, look to see what it looks like on the inside. Um, if it looks like it's going to run and we don't see anything obvious with the rest of them and they all look to be the same age, then we'll go ahead and we'll throw them in the test stand and get a baseline on what those things are all doing. Um, some of the things that the test stand looks at is response time. So like when the ECM sends out signal to fire, there is a delay, and oh. that delay is what we call the response time. Would you call that um, latency? What's that? The time from when your computer's calling for it to when it actually does it, wouldn't that be called injector latency? Yeah, yeah, that would be another term for it. Just in our test plan, when you read what the test result shows, it's actually going to show response time. Awesome. Nice. Thank you for that clarification. Yeah. Well, there's probably several different ways to call out certain different things in, in you know, everything in life, but uh, as long as <laughs> yeah. everybody's kind of using the same terms, um, you know, like if somebody sends something into me and they ask for latency, yeah, then we're probably going to know what they mean by that, but we're going to have to explain to them that on their test sheet, it's not going to ever say that word. It's going to show that it's just response time. So you're talking about inspection and things like that, and I get a ton of phone calls every day on LB7 customers that – Obviously, every 50,000, 60,000 miles, their injectors are, you know, crapping out on them. Why is this happening on 04, 01 to 04 and a half trucks for uh, Duramaxes? What is going on with this, the style of injector that is making them be replaced every 50 to maybe 100,000 miles? That injector had a control plunger down in the very bottom of it that's very big and very heavy compared to all the later style stuff. So... It's not so much the injectors worn out or junk, but, you know, you've got something that's really old technology, and they've obviously, Bosch being they, have updated that, changed that, so that, that little thrust member down in there on all the later style stuff, so the LLY and later, um, those thrust numbers are much lighter, they're much smaller, and they're, they're much, 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 much more adjustable, so we can calibrate those injectors and get them really, really, really closely balanced. The older stuff, like the early, early Cummins, which came, uh, used that thrust number clear out to 2009 in the aftermarket, but the trucks actually started to change that in like 08. Um, but then all the LB7s used that same thrust number, and uh, oddly enough, you can actually use that thrust number from an LB7 injector 
and you could put it in like an 0304 Cummins, and it would actually fit. Really? So some of the older and earlier Cummins trucks, those things kind of had the same issues. And uh, once Bosch caught on to what they had to do to fix all that, um, ever since then, that injector body's kind of been fixed. Mm-hmm. The LB7 has never been retro, and since the thing is so old now, I doubt they're ever going to change that. Right. But uh, really, truly, I believe that it's mostly a contamination thing. And if somebody watches that more closely and tries to take care of their fuel quality a little bit better, you know, whether that's with a better fuel filter or just better fuel treatment, I believe that the injectors will last 150, 200,000 miles. But wow. they definitely are more sensitive and more susceptible to contamination and failures after that. Awesome. What's some good recommendations for how to help protect your system then? What, what are some good ideas of what people could do to try to lengthen the life of an LB7 injector? Or an you know, 0304? That's a, that's Lift a really pump, maybe? tough question because, uh, you know, even in my own vehicle, which I'm driving right now, I could pull up to the, you know, the next BP gas station or Arco or Chevron or wherever and I could get something out of somebody's fuel tank that, you know, isn't going to work well in my car. And it's not my fault. It's not it's not the injector guy's fault. It's not Jeep's fault. It's just the fact that I just put something in there and it's going to try and burn it and it can't. So it's really tough. But, you know, there are some good quality conditioners out there that, uh, that will help with lubricity and, and try and provide some protection against water. But, you know, honestly, I would tell everybody that, as a good habit, since injectors are, you know, three and $4,000 for a set these days, I think it's a great habit to start changing fuel filters like every single oil change. Yes. And wow. if you're seeing contamination in five or 6,000 miles, you should probably start thinking about using another source for where you're buying your fuel until you don't see fuel contamination in your fuel filters at five or 6,000 miles. That's a really good call. That's not something that we actually hear a lot of. Thank you. That's a good tip. Do you think a lift pump helps the longevity of LB7 injectors? A lift pump doesn't help the longevity of the LB7 injector, I don't feel, but I do feel that it will help the CP3 pump in the LB7. And in effect, as long as the CP3 pump's in good shape, the injector won't be commanded to do things that the ECM's trying to get done at a later point. So if uh, if the CP3 pump's half wore out and it's trying to to make 21,000 pounds of rail pressure, but it's struggling and it's deviating, then the ECM is trying to send out all sorts of crazy signals to the injectors to try and get them to, to make up for it, which is pretty hard on the solenoids, I guess. But, uh, yeah, I mean, any, and the other side is, you know, like a fast pump or an air dog or whatever, those guys all have good fuel filters on them. So I think that that is probably as important, if not more important, to the whole system. I totally agree, and that's actually yeah. what I was going to bring up there is I feel like that is the one big selling point for the older trucks, the guys that have those injector problems or guys who travel a lot are always the ones I talk to about it. Like, put a lift pump on it. You don't know where you're getting fuel. Right. Also, don't delete your factory fuel filter housing unless you need to. Mm-hmm. So if it makes sense, it yeah. makes sense. Old LB7s, they leak. You buy a delete kit for them, you run a lift pump instead. The lift pump has a tighter micron filter than your factory filter does. So it's a good thing. But I I do like the point out there that pushing low pressure side as opposed to drawing low pressure vacuum will not make an impact. Except for, like you said, the length of or how hard the CP3 has to work. And we see that all the way up into the new stuff, into the CP4s. And as we're talking about injectors changing throughout the years, one point I always like to hit on for the Duramax history is 
what is the difference between an LMM injector and an LML injector? Because there was a big change there from my understanding. Well, the construction of the injector is quite a bit different. They operate at different pounds of rail pressure. Um, the nozzle flow rate the on all of the brands of trucks, whether it's Cummins, uh, Chevy, or Ford, the later the truck is, the smaller the nozzle flow rate is. So <clears throat> where some of this stuff now, we see spray orifices that are four and a half, like five thousandths of an inch, um, very, very small. And then on our flow meter, they're, you know, 13, 14 liters of air per minute uh, as a base. So when you move those things, even one liter per minute, you're moving it uh, pretty great. And, and you get very big impact with very little movement in the nozzle flow rate. So... What I've seen happening a lot is a lot of guys will get carried away on the later style stuff, and they think, well, we've always moved it this far, and we're just going to continue to move it that far. But one thing that they're not thinking about is, hey, this later style stuff also operates at higher pressure, so you don't need to move it as far to see the same kind of an impact. And a lot of these later style trucks, they're getting really smoky and really sloppy just because the nozzles are being moved way too far and the customer doesn't have enough air to support that much fuel being introduced. Okay, that's a really good point. You know, that's something that we have talked about, how LMLs specifically, and I'm sure, like you said, all of the models, the later the trucks, they do operate at, you know, 32,000 peak PSI on the rail, if, if I remember correctly, which your previous years were like 26,000. So th there was a big jump there. Um, we've heard a few guys talking about how they get more out of the LML injector. And your thought here is that, because it has higher pressure flowing through that small nozzle, we're actually getting more fuel into the combustion cylinder with less effort. Would that be a fair way of putting it? Yeah, that's very fair. Okay. The, the more the pressure is, the more you're going to get out of it. Um, you know, we, we use it on the test end really often. We'll just, we can take any injector, whether it's an LB7 or an LML or whatever, we can set a set program in that, in, in that uh, test plan and then run that injector. If we change the microseconds or the pulse width that we're injecting, then the more we add, the more we're going to get. The more we subtract, the less we're going to get. And same thing happens with pressure, but pressure is quite a bit. Like if you add a couple thousand pounds, you'll see a lot of cubic centimeters in volume increase. And there again, if you've got like a worn out pump and you can't get to the pressure that it's commanding, then you're not going to see near as many cc's delivered. And CC's delivered translates to horsepower because you're not going to be able to get the uh, the combustion effect because you just don't have the fuel in the hole on time. Gotcha. Now, Lenny, I'd like to go back to talking about 01 to 2010 injectors. A lot of, of our listeners probably don't know that on our dyno, like you're talking about, um, we can hit 600 rear, rear wheel horsepower on stock fuel. You don't have to do any injector modification to do that. You just got to make sure your injectors and your CP3 are healthy. And that's for pretty much all the Bosch common rail stuff. Yeah, absolutely. And mm -hmm. I said absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna get, we're going to get two stars in this one. So a lot of people – so I tell people on LB7s, don't take your LB7 past 650 horsepower. You're going to hurt it over time. And so if you're going to, you know, put a bigger injector in LB7 or these trucks, usually you're going to want to look at building a bottom end before you go and do that, in my opinion. 
Um, we know that we've talked about no man's land and things like that and um, on previous episodes, but, you know, 650 horse, I feel an LB7 is going to shorten the life of that thing. You're poking the bear here, Danny. Hey, You're poking the bear here. I thought we closed this. I thought we closed the book on the discussion <laughs> of what a stock bottom end can handle. Let's, clo- let's, let's close. I'm, I, I'm you not can't done. see me right now, listeners, but I am I am physically closing the book with my hands. But I just, my point stock is, bottom end. my point is you can, like you said, on Cummins and um, on Bosch injectors, if they're healthy in their stock, you can get 600 rear wheel horsepower out of this. So what I want to talk about, though, is um, I get a lot of customers calling in talking about balance rates, and they start talking about... Um, I've got, you know, this going on and that going on and I read the forums and I get tagged in tons of posts about how I'm like does plus anybody, five right now. Does anybody actually know how to how to accurately check balance rates? That's a great point, Danny. Thank you. That's okay. something we can talk Let's, about. And I, that led me into this. Okay. You know, so that's why I wanted to use that segue because I always want to stab you back every time I can get a chance <laughs> on No Man's right. Land. Okay. <laughs> so, well, uh, with that being said is how, like Paul asked, how can we accurately uh, figure out what's going on? Because I've had um, balance rates that were in spec plus or minus three liters per minute and or four and also um i was getting zero zero eight seven codes but it turned out my return rates were in in the crapper so two questions there lenny if yeah. i could unpack that for danny number one how do we accurately check balance rates and two what is the difference from balance rates to return rates Is that a question for me? That is, yes. I'm sorry. I know we've we've okay. been arguing with each other for the last five minutes here, but for you, Lenny, yes. How first of <laughs> well, all, Lenny, how do we accurately check balance rates? I think that uh, balance rates are frustrating to me because way too many guys will take uh, you know a motor with 150 or 250k, and uh, they don't really have any idea on what the you know condition of the motor is, but they've got you know brand whatever monitor. And they're looking at their balance rates right after they throw a brand spanking new set of injectors in. And they call up and they're like, hey, man, my motor, the balance rates are like here, here, and here. And I'm like, well, that doesn't sound too far off to me. How does it run? Well, it runs perfect. But these things, these balance rates should be absolute and perfect because these brand new, you know, these injectors are brand new. And I'm thinking to myself, like, I wish this guy was standing in front of me so he could see how I'm shaking my head. (laughs) But now I've got to try and explain to him how you've got a motor that's far from perfect like it wasn't perfect initially like there was none of the oems try to get you know their their piston protrusion within two to three thousandths of an inch now on several thousand motors per day and that being said the the deviation between piston protrusion is going to create a change in compression so the motor wasn't perfect brand new Right. And some of the aftermarket guys will do, like, whenever we build a motor, we try and get the piston protrusion within 2,000s, um, you know, trying to, you know, basically get it as close to perfect as possible. But if you've got an injector that, you know, is put in a test stand and it's CC'd, what we're measuring is cubic centimeters or mm's cubed of fuel injected at whatever microseconds and whatever pressure that test plan is going to command. And each time we go through and run through a set of injectors, they all see the same test plan, and they all get balanced within, like, call it 1% to 2% of each other. Okay. Um, that's really, really, really close. Like, that's a lot tighter than if I were to say, hey, go buy a brand-new bag of whatever brand you want, yeah. and we just ran them. You would not see them that close ever. Um, so, yeah, like, balance rates and, and 
balancing out injectors, two totally different things. Balance rates are something that people are looking at of the uh, of the motor, I guess, and mostly on Chevys. Um, you don't really hear guys ever complain about balance rates on a Dodge. Right. But there again, I, I kind of go back to the monitor thing. Like, guys look at the monitor, and they, you know, much like a boost gauge. Everybody looks at a boost gauge, and they go, wow, I got 35 pounds of boost. Well, does that really matter? <laughs> like, as long as it's running cool and it's doing what it's supposed to do, it doesn't really matter how many pounds of boost your motor makes. You're... Your buddy might have 32 pounds of boost, but he's still faster than you. So, so boost didn't really matter, but it was a gauge that everybody looked at. Um, but when we're going to balance out injectors, it's very critical. And we always include, like, the test sheets. So whichever one of our technicians is the guy that balanced your injectors, he signs his initials, and he puts on there, you know, where they were for command and where they ended up delivering CCs. And you end up seeing, like, the final sheet you're not going to see all the sheets of how many times we had to adjust them because that would just be a clumbered up mess. And uh, then we'd get questions like, how come this injector never needed adjusted once and this one needed an injector, or this one needed an, you know, a calibration six times? Well, that doesn't mean that injector is junk. It just means it took us six shots of changing the calibration in the injector to actually get it to balance out with the rest of the set. So, you know, trying to give somebody information about their injectors but not too much information is uh, something that's taken us 15 years to try and figure out. But uh, I kind of think we're there now, I guess. I hope. Yeah. I, did that answer what you were after? Is that what you're kind of looking for? Yeah, absolutely. No, I love that. That definitely more information on the, uh, as far as how far balance rates go. And after a quick commercial, we're going to get back and talk to you about a few more things injector related. Okay. Hi, I'm Phil Grandinetti, Service Manager at Calibrated Power Solutions. As you probably know, we install high-performance equipment for your diesel truck. Twin turbo kits, dual fueler kits, injectors, our stealth turbos, our DT750 and DT1000 transmissions. But what you may not know is that our techs can also diagnose and repair most of the systems on your truck, including electrical, starting and charging, AC, brakes, ABS, steering, and suspension. So please call us if you're having issues with any of the systems on your truck. We will help you through the process of diagnosing and repairing the problem. You can reach us at 815-568-7920. That's 815-568-7920. We're back. We're back with Lenny Reed of Dynamite Diesel Products, Paul. Ooh, look at Danny getting it right. Yeah. <laughs> the man, what's your role over there real quick? I guess I'm kind of the head floor sweeper slash engineer, dyno operator, injector guy, build pair. <laughs> so you wear all the hats. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I started the company, you know, like I say, back in like 2000, 2001. And uh, ever since then, you know, I guess my job changes based on whatever department needs me. I kind of get to do that for a while, like. Here, we're getting a brand new test stand, and it's huge. It's going to be gargantuan. But uh, as soon as we get that new test stand, we're going to start working on all of the piezo injectors pretty heavily. Um, and the reason for that is because we've been uh, kind of been hindered on what we could do with piezo stuff as far as really big piezo stuff on the test gear that we've currently got. So we've got a test stand that's actually being manufactured for us. Oh, been working awesome. on it for not quite a year, but it should be here hopefully... Hopefully, I'll see like a bill of lading and shipping before the end of December here. 
And as soon as I get that test stand, I'll be learning how to use that thing, and I'll be doing nothing but R&D on injectors. That, see, I just want to tell our listeners as well, you're talking about um, test stands and things like that. Um, when we're talking about that and you get that, say you get like seven injectors that are good, and then now you got to replace one. So what does that do to you? I mean, you, those injectors weren't all tested together. They weren't flow tested, right, to all together. Is that a problem for a Duramax or a Cummins guy to have uh, one injector that's just completely different than the other ones? It can be, yeah. Um, yeah who replaces I, I one? What? Well, here's Lenny, this. hold on real yeah. quick. What cheap ass replaced one out of eight or one out of six injectors? I lose my mind on people when they call mm-hmm. in with that. I lose my mind. You you manufactured. You bought all eight. They were all manufactured at the same time. You had one bad one, mm-hmm. so you swapped it out with one good one. That is the craziest thing. I know there's like the Ford guys who like on, on six O's, if you have just one bad one, you might replace those four and just do that bank. I would never have allowed a customer to do that with me. I, I just can't stand it. And I'm, I'm the same way. That's why I want to talk yeah. about this because it drives me nuts, too, to hear that. Oh, Lenny, how do you feel about guys well, replacing one out of eight? I sat in a Ford six-liter class about a month ago, and some of the stuff's just refresher, but some of it is just different outlets or different views on the same stuff that I've been doing for a long time. And the instructor in this class said, if you have a customer that wants to replace three or four bad injectors, then you should promise the customer that he's probably going to see you within a month. And he's going to be mad at you because he's going to run the same. Hey, awesome. But, what you know, back in the day when LB7s were under warranty, GM themselves, they would replace only one injector and give you a 12-month, 10,000-mile uh, warranty on it. I mean, how do they get away with it as a, you know, well, they don't Because they don't do that shit anymore. Now, if you go to, go to them with one bad injector, most guys are finding they at least get a bank. They at least get yeah. one side. That's well, I mean, you're going to get a bank because, you know, like, bang for the buck. Like, why would you even think about trying to change another injector on that same bank when the labor really isn't that much worse to do all four of them just the one? Right. Exactly. So, you know, I think that's almost a suicide mission right there. But secondly, like, back in the day, keep in mind everything has a spec. And as long as it meets that spec, which all of the OEMs have built specs to try and save themselves money and to make the company as profitable as possible. That doesn't necessarily mean they want your truck to be absolute and perfect forever. That means that we've built these specs, and all of your injectors are in this spec, so it's going to fly, <laughs> and it's going to fly outside of a warranty. And that's all they were really after. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, I the, hope that helps. But The GMGE yeah, guarantee, yeah. General well, Motors, good enough. Just throw, <laughs> yeah, well... You know, Chevy can't just afford to throw eight injectors at your right. truck because one of them went bad. They, they just can't. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. They have to get a loan from the government or something. <laughs> it's, what I get, we sell a lot of nozzles, like several sets every single day. And we, we in the when you take the nozzle off, there's a thrust member in there that's very, very small. And those thrust members come in about 100 different thicknesses. So if you don't have a caliper to measure that thing, you don't know how thick yours was. Those things get dropped all the time. And then we get somebody going, hey, dude, send me one of those things because I dropped mine. And my instant response is, please understand, I'm not trying to mess you up or ruin your life. But that injector was balanced with that thrust member in it. So now I need that injector, and I need two more injectors out of that same set. And the reason for that is I have to run the two injectors that you didn't mess up, and I've got to get a CC value rating on those two, 
and then I have to balance this one that you lost the thrust member to match those two as closely as possible without looking at the full set. It's crazy. And you can get, you know, 20, 25% more or less fuel on just that thrust member shim alone. So, and your pyro is not going to know which hole is running super, super hot. And then pretty soon you melt the piston, and yeah. then you're calling up the injector guy, and you're calling the tuning guy, and <laughs> you know everybody owes me a motor. Well, why? Oh, my God. It's like we have the same customers. <laughs> no, it, it happens sometimes, you know, because it's, it's one of those. It's like when we talk to Ryan Jelinas, you know, from ATS, where he's like, you know, people usually don't call me on a good day, right? Because, like, you're only calling about injectors or you're only calling about transmissions if shit's already wrong. Right. Like 90 percent of the time, there are those who go out there and preemptively do it just for the build. But the majority of customers doing injectors are a set went bad. Mm -hmm. And now, as long as they're in there, they're emotional, they might as well upgrade it. And they are. They're they're emotional. Um, But I think we can end today's episode on some good emotions here, Danny. And I think we can throw out a couple scenarios and we could let Lenny give us some suggestions. What do you think? You got any final questions before we dive into the scenarios? I, I do. I have one more quick question, and um, I just want to bite so this in the butt. Got. I got one quick question before we dive into that real quick. I know your time's valuable, but I hear a lot of guys saying, I just went on eBay, and I saw this set of injectors for this price. Why are they so much cheaper? And I'm going to go with them because, <laughs> uh, you know, I'm on a budget. Uh, I got an LB7, and, you know, it, it, everything's going to cost me. I got to buy the lines. I got to buy everything, the, you know, and so why are they cheaper? Should I buy them? I guess that's the question for you, Lenny. Should should people buy the eBay LB7 injectors or just eBay injectors right. in general? Well, I kind of wonder to people how how dumb they can really be. Like, <laughs> you've got a truck that carries your family. It carries your camper. It carries your horse. It carries your groceries. It carries your ass to work or not. <laughs> and... You think you just found a really killer deal on injectors for less than what the core value of the injector actually costs. <laughs> but but Lenny, they say Bosch. They're a Bosch facility. That's what they said. I mean, <laughs> they, they tested it. It says Bosch on it. <laughs> you know, Bosch didn't make a bad product initially, but Bosch doesn't know where those injectors have been or how many trucks they've been in. And unless you're going to get a sheet that actually says these were tested by Bosch, and I promise that that sheet won't come for a really, really, really cheap price. <laughs> it just can't. Like, you can't go out and get new Bosch product and expect to get a really smoking deal because it, those deals just aren't out there. I know what they cost us, and I know how many we buy, so I'm fairly certain we get a pretty good deal on them, but some of these guys are buying injectors for 100 bucks a piece. Huh? <laughs> and they're calling us up going, dude, I, I put these injectors in, and, uh, you know, the thing runs just as bad now as it did then. And I'm like, well, that's because you took out three or four bad injectors, and you put three or four new bad injectors in it. <laughs> and what I've seen is a lot of wash and wear. So there's basically companies around the country that get core engines in, and they take the injectors out. They send them to a few guys around the states. They wash them. They put them in a test stand. And if they test good enough in their stand to meet their specifications, not Bosch's, not Dynamite Diesel's, not anybody else's, but they, they meet their specification, then they call it a reman injector. They throw a new copper on it, they, they make it look halfway decent, and it goes in your truck. And they're really good about warranting, usually, from what I've heard, 
but why wouldn't they be? Because they're into them hardly nothing. <laughs> and when you call up saying my truck still runs really bad, but now it runs bad on this whole missile, they're going to send you two more cores. And those cores may or may not be better than the stuff you're taking out of it again. Literally just so, throwing shit at the wall and seeing what sticks, huh? Oh, yeah. That's, that's <laughs> truly all it is. Like it, I mean, there's just... There's no guy out there that wants to work for free or can afford to work for free. I mean, we've all got families. We've all got, you know, lives that we have to pay for. And, uh, you know, if I could spend $185 on something and give it to you guys for 100 bucks, just because I like you a lot, you know, I, I damn certainly do it. But it's just mathematically not going to keep me in business very long. <laughs> but I'm still going to try them out, Lenny. I'm going to go on eBay and uh, log in and get a set. You would, you would put them in Ron Burgundy. You no, probably have eBay injectors listen, in Ron Burgundy I right know now. way better, but this is what I hear. People actually do this it stuff, is, yeah. and it, it hurts me to talk about this, but it, this happens every day. It's, it is always sad when you get the call when the guy's like, man, I've called four shops or I've been to four shops. My truck's still <laughs> bad, and I still got – I spent all this money on yep. injectors. And you're like, well, how much did you spend on injectors? They're like, well, about a thousand bucks. And you're like, yeah, you, yeah, you are about to have your day ruined with my conversation. You're so sir. tight, you squeak when you walk, man. <laughs> well, you know, they're also lucky because by this point, they could have actually damaged the motor. Yeah, oh, and yeah. it might have gone from just needing a set of injectors to actually needing a motor. Oh, we've yeah. seen it. We've seen it several like times. Holes and pistons, unequal temperatures and pistons, and popping holes and pistons. Yep. All right. I got I got some great uh, about two or three scenarios here for you, Lenny. I was hoping you could just make some recommendations. I kind of grabbed just real general stuff, uh, so I didn't get too specific with anything. But if I have a customer with a 2012 Cummins, he wants to make 850 horsepower, and he's in a sled pull truck, so he really doesn't care about overfueling it. In fact, he would prefer that. How big of injectors would you recommend for him? So how many inch inducers on this truck? Two five. 25 at 850 so he's going to spend a ton of rpm injector wise i'd probably be uh 150 200 over nice nice that's right around so, what i would generally spec out right off top of my head i think i just did a 25 truck and i think i did do 200s on it it was just a nice number yeah if it's if it's a sled pull truck only like i set up my truck so at the end of the hook um, or like any of our drag race applications, I set it up so at the end of the quarter mile, like I see in the 17s. So like 17, you know, 20 to 17.80 for EGT. Okay. And uh, with an injector that size and tuning that's matched to that injector within a couple of hooks, you're going to have it dialed in. And it's you're not going to have to lean on the tuning really, really, really hard. And the injector is not so beat out that it's going to be a really short-lived injector. So... I think that would be a really good fit, and it would definitely perform to what the guy needs quite easily. I dig it. Hell right. yeah. Let's say I got an LML with a nasty WC Fab twin kit on it. I want 700 horse. Uh, I got a CP3 to, um, you know, conversion on it. What injectors and what CP3 do I need to hit 700 horse in an LML with those piezos? Like, literally... Anybody's 10 millimeter stroker pump is going to give you enough fuel for 700 horse and uh, a really small injector, like something around the 15 to 20 percent, is really all that thing's going to need to be modified to make 700 horsepower. Lenny, I just like you more the more you talk, bud, because that is yeah. so on the mark for where I would be at on that right. one. Killed I see it. so many guys throwing 60s in LMLs because that's what they did in their LB7. I just, I shrug. Like, why? 
Why? Well, they don't, again, it goes back to they just don't understand that their LB7 was working its ass off to make 23,000 pounds of rail pressure, and their new truck is barely coming alive at 23,000 pounds of rail pressure. So <laughs> they're just not seeing how moving the injector a smaller amount of percentage leaves more control in the injector, and it gives you better smoke control, and it gives you better fuel economy, and the injector's going to last longer, and you still you end up with something that's very, very, very drivable and very usable. and You just don't have to beat the injector up and thrash it just to make a bunch of smoke and, you know, heat. That's so awesome. That's such great advice. All right, last one for you today, and then uh, we'll work on our outro here. I have a customer with a 2006 5.9 liter. I drew all the Cummins today. And you're the – yeah, I drew all the Cummins today in our scenarios, Danny. All right, I'm sorry, 06, 5.9 liter. Big balls, 1,000 horsepower, everybody wants it. I'll throw on any set of twins I can. I don't care. Dude, I'm, I'm going to daily drive it. That's my budget build truck. That is, I know it's your budget build truck. 1,000 yeah. um, <laughs> horsepower, big set of twins, 06, 59. Let's see what Lenny says. I got dual CP3s on it, so I know I got plenty of pump. What should I do for injectors? Well, you know, that I'm pretty sure that four of those guys – sent me a message just like that today (laughs) (laughs) and and one of the guys was gonna you know sled pull five percent of the time drag race five percent of the time tow his 28 foot gooseneck fifth wheel you know toy box and uh and then 80 percent of the time he was just gonna daily drive it (laughs) (laughs) sounds like a typical midwestern i kind of that I was lying, but I actually got that. We do something in our shop called a race waiver, which basically means like you fill out what you want and what you've got, and then we try and spec an injector to you know to match the needs. And I actually got something very much similar to that today. Um, I tell you what, so a thousand horsepower is uh, in our lineup going to be 120 horsepower injector, which is going to be uh, on our flow meter. That thing flows like 22 to 23, 24 liters of air per minute. You're going to have to go to 32, so that's going to be like, what, kind of a 40 or 50% over nozzle? Right. Um, We're going to recalibrate the body because internal to the body, you can change the calibration and get the injector to pump harder virtually is what you're getting it to do. So you don't have to get it all just out of a big, nasty, sloppy nozzle. You can get the injector body to pump harder on a smaller nozzle, and it'll just work better. So I'd say like 32-liter a minute nozzle, which, again, is going to be like that kind of 40, 50 over um, that's going to keep it nice and drivable. It's still going to give you the amount of fuel you need to make a thousand horsepower. I'd say, you know, like a 80 millimeter inducer on a, as your atmosphere charger and, uh, some T4, probably a 66 or a 68 or somewhere in that range on the, uh, on the manifold charger. And, and I would definitely do a camshaft, you know, whether, you know, pick your brand, but, uh, I've had really good luck keeping the head gaskets in those motors and keeping the motors alive simply by changing out the uh, camshaft. And the camshaft doesn't necessarily make power, but it definitely frees up a lot of the pressures that you don't want, and the motors seem to last a lot longer on the daily driver trucks if you do put camshafts in them. Really? Just a little more exhaust out, huh? Helps. Yeah. Relieve yeah, some of that funny pressure. how that works, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, I'll tell you what. We have one last question. Um, can... Can you just give us a quick idea why when we're shopping for injectors, do we see some guys posting in horsepower numbers and some guys posting in percentage? Yes. What's the difference? What's the deal? Well, I tell you, that's a, that's a really good question, and I don't know the answer to it all the way around. 
I like to do the horsepower stuff on a bunch of the trucks based off of stock tuning and stock turbochargers. Okay. But once you get above that, all of a sudden you really can't you can't use that horsepower number anymore because if a guy's got a 71 or a 75 millimeter charger, he kind of wants to talk in percentages. Right. And the guys that are using the percentage, when you ask them directly, like, are you talking in like 50% of CCs delivered at what pressure and how many microseconds? Nobody knows that. And I've never gotten a straight answer from anybody, so... I wouldn't know that. I don't know if they're measuring the 50% over in just nozzle flow rate or in CCs delivered, and and if it is in CCs delivered, how much rail pressure and how many microseconds did it take to get, you know, what what are you using for your barometer right. to uh, to achieve that 50% over just so we can all kind of, you know, follow the same, uh, follow the same ruler basically. Right. Yeah. 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 There is none. I mean, when it comes to injectors, we really don't have that industry wide understanding. Um, it it seems like everybody kind of has their own theory, their own map, their own way of measuring it. Uh, we have is like, usually what I find best is asking distributors, guys who sell multiple brands, they usually have a really good pulse on kind of comparison, you know, lining up one brand's injectors compared to another's. Um, but it's like anything else in the podcast, we always recommend get out there and try something, get in somebody else's truck that's already got those injectors, talk to guys that already have similar setups. Um, you know, I never think there's anything wrong with checking and rechecking or asking other people what their opinion is. You know, try to take it as a grain of salt, of course, because we want to get people good information. But it, it is tough out there when you're shopping for injectors to kind of compare two companies next to each other. I'll say that based on just a, based on their horsepower ratings or percentage ratings, it can be a little skewing. But yeah. The you know the off the shelf parts you know or you know what I would kind of say are more towards the daily drivers the things that people can buy without really getting into too much trouble those are something that we just sell to everybody but if it's getting into the realm of stuff that you know if you buy it wrong it's just going to be wrong no matter what <laughs> that's what we call our comp stuff and and at that level we require you fill out a race waiver um, that way you know it's not just up to the customer to say hey I want only a hundred percent overs and they're telling me that they're trying to make X amount of power with 100% over when I know damn well it's not going to work. <laughs> I want to be able to call the guy and go, hey, man, look, you know, I'm looking at this, and you're trying to make 1,000 horsepower on a turbocharger that's way too small. You're trying to make 1,000 horsepower on a stock CP3 pump, and mathematically that, that won't pencil out. So, you know, when I build you these injectors, don't get mad at me when it stops at 650 because then you're just out of CP3 pump. And then when you get a decent CP3 pump, don't get mad at me when it stops at 700 because that's where you're out of air. <laughs> I like, like that. I like that. That's a really good right. way to do it. That's super helpful for people. Well, I'll tell yeah, you what, Lenny. So many. I, I really appreciate your time today. You've been such a great guest. I think you've given our listeners a lot of excellent information. Tons. Lenny, you're the man over there. Definitely. Where are you located yeah. at so our, our listeners can uh, tell us how to find you? Now we got a we got a really great big drive-in facility in uh, Monroe, Washington. And then we've got our little tiny injector shop slash uh, race shop here in uh, Idaho. And uh, yeah, that's so we got two facilities, and and this is what we do, you know, just injectors and trucks. Awesome, man! If somebody wants to reach out to you and uh, talk more and get started on a race waiver, what's the best way for them to contact you? You know, go to the website, which is just www.dynomite.diesel.com. And then uh, once you look at the website, you can actually see where there's forms. Click on the forms, and then there's custom turbos, there's custom injectors, there's custom everything. Those things get printed off, and then I look at those things daily. 
So even if I'm in, you know, Mexico or whatever on some trip, then I still get those forms emailed to me and I submit them back to the sales guys. Sales guys then help out whoever it is because we don't sell a whole lot of retail. We mostly sell to shops and warehouse distributors. So uh, then my sales team works with whoever that middle guy is. That's awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining us again. This has been Paul Wilson. And I'm Danny Voss. Thanks for listening to the Diesel Performance Podcast. Calibrated Power Solutions, the leading North American developer of clean diesel power and home of DuramaxTuner.com, is the proud sponsor of the Diesel Performance Podcast. Calibrated Power develops emissions-equipped tunes for a wide variety of diesel powertrains, including the Duramax, Cummins, Jeep, John Deere, and many more. For more information and the best customer service in the industry, check out CalibratedPower.com or call 815-568-7920. That's 815-568-7920. To reach out to the Diesel Performance Podcast, send us a message through Facebook or email Paul at DuramaxTuner.com or Danny at DuramaxTuner.com. Hey guys, we really are trying to bring you the best possible content and attract the highest caliber guest. One of the things that helps us do that is when you get on iTunes and give us five stars, leave a comment, and of course subscribe so you can hear all of my funny jokes and all the times that Danny's wrong. Paul, what did you do? You, get a, you got a three-star rating and now you can't come to a show or That's what? it. That's it. After all the times I said, give us a five-star rating, <laughs> somebody went on and gave us a three-star rating. I said, that's it. I'm done. I'm not doing it anymore.